We'll get started here. I'll let Ricky get the clicking and so forth. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, quite honestly, what a day, what a time to be talking about uh, and examining the, the details that we're going to be looking at here. Uh, again, we're talking about God's glory plan, uh, the details, and uh, we're going to just begin to look at them this week, next week, and kind of spend some time in this passage. Next week is Easter, and uh, where the world celebrates the resurrection of Christ, we celebrate that every day, and we're glad to do that. But uh, it is a good day to, to see the details about our uh, gathering together, uh, our redemption the day of, re- of, our, of our redemption and so forth. And we started last time here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 13. So let's start reading there, and then we'll begin to work our way down through the passage. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. And again, we looked at that issue of sleep and death, that soft word of sleep and, and talk in reference to physical death. And again, really it's the big if. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And, and the key the, the issue here at Thessalonica is this issue really that they were sorrowing. They, they didn't have some understanding. So now Paul is going to give them some understanding. If you look at verse 15, 4, more, inform, more information. Look, guys, if you're saved, there's no need to worry about your loved ones that are in Christ. We will be resurrected. We'll be reunited with them. We will see them once again. You're, you're, you're okay there. Just, we're going to have some hope here. And here's how you know that. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now, let's stop there. That is some information now is going to by the word of the Lord. This is information that's going to be concerning you and I. And it's going to be a part of that specific, special, direct revelation given by the Lord Jesus Christ to the Apostle Paul. Come back over with me to, to the book of Galatians. Now, what, what is, what's happening here, Galatians chapter 1? And, and again, we understand that. Paul is our apostle. Uh, get, you get Galatians 1 and 1 Corinthians 15. And I got a note here to, to slow down, and I will do my best to do that, but no promises. Galatians 1, 1 Corinthians 15. We'll go to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, let's go to Galatians 1 first. We understand that Paul's our apostle. Now what Paul's doing in Thessalonians is he's giving them information about the, the, the reuniting and the details about our gathering together, our day of redemption. But in doing that, he's doing that so the Thessalonians have have, uh, have some, some confidence, have some, some, some comfort. Verse 18 there, wherefore comfort one another with these words. But yet he's also doing that, hey, here's the details about how we go home, how we get out of here. And they're a part of the glory plan. They're part of, this is, this is the part where, this is how God is going to accomplish getting the body of Christ out of the dispensation of grace and into the heavenly places. Galatians 1, verse number 11 and 12. 
The Apostle Paul writes, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Come on over to 1 Corinthians 15. Paul had some information given to him that belongs specifically and directly to him. Ephesians 3 says, I received it and I gave it to you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Come over to verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. So the information that we're going to be looking at in 1 Thessalonians 4 has, is some information that will not be found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's going to be information that is specific to Paul, specific to the church, the body of Christ, and specific to information that belongs to you and I, not to the Gospels. Now come back over with me to John chapter 14. And this is, we're going to, I'm going to bring John, or Matthew, and Matthew 24, but John 14 first. We're going to look at this because what begins to happen is, is people begin to read John, they read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and they say, see, there we are, that's us, and you know what? It's not us at all. Look at John 14, verse 1. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Boy, let not your heart be troubled. We hear that if you listen to Fox News and Hannity and those guys. Okay, they bring it up. Well, wait a minute, who's John written to? Not you and I, today in the age of grace, to the church of the body of Christ, is written to that little flock. So guess what? We're not going to think he's going to be talking about the rapture here, is he? But people say that. Verse 2, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You see, people say, see, look, there's the rapture. There we are. He's going to prepare a place in my Father's house. By the way, where's the Father's house? John 2, John 11 talks about it being the temple. That's, that's his house, is the temple. Uh, well, we're in John. Look back there at 2, John 2. John 2. Actually, you're, where were you? You were in 14. Look in 11, chapter 11. John 11. John 11, 47. John 11, 47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? That's not the verse. You know what? Just go to chapter 2. Sorry about that. Chapter 2. John 2. John 2. And look down at verse 13. John 2, 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold ox and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a, a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money over through the tables and said unto them that sold the doves take these things hence make not my father's house a house of merchandise the father's house in my father's house are many mansions he's talking about the temple now come on over to matthew 24 that's not you and i 
He's talking about really, Matthew 24, really he's talking about their, the, the temple in the kingdom, in the, that millennial, that kingdom that is for them to come. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, start in verse 37. Here's the, by the way, Matthew 24 is the big one. We're going to look at this a little bit more here. But when Paul says, for the word, I received this of the word and I'm giving it to you, he's not talking about Matthew and John. That's my point here. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noe were so, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in, in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. The two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. See, don't you know, come back to 1 Thessalonians 4, that's what the rapture is going to be. There's going to be two walking. One's going to be taken and one's going to be left. And they, but that's not, that's not the rapture. By the way, I don't know if you still have Matthew 24 there. Matthew 24. Look at verse 39. He says, and, he, and knew not until the flood, and took them all away. The one in the field, and the one shall be taken. Have you ever wondered where they go? Where did they go? Come over to Luke 17. Luke chapter 17. It's interesting. Where did they go? Luke 17, shine a little light on it for you. Luke 17, 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Isn't that interesting? Where did they go? They went into destruction. You drop down to verse 34. I tell you, in, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, the one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding. The one shall be taken, the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? Where was he taking them? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Isn't that interesting? Eagles. You, run, you have to run over to Revelation 19 where the eagles are called. The birds are called to the feast. And they get to clean up after... The, the, the second coming of the Lord and the destruction that's laid out there. Come back to 1 Thessalonians 4. My point is, is when he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, the context, the stuff that I'm going to be telling you is information that belongs to us. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It's part of the mystery revelation. It's part of the, of the details that were given to Paul and that were given to Paul and Paul then to the body of Christ. Verse 15, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Again, the context here. The Thessalonians are troubled about their loved ones in Christ. Well, that shouldn't really be a problem. The issue is, is that they're going to be resurrected. We will be united that is great comfort, verse 18.
but I want you to look at the details. Note, by the way, notice in verse six, or verse 15, he says, shall not prevent them which are asleep. Prevent, pre, before, vent, to come. We're, we're, those of us that are alive and walking when the Lord returns, we're not going to get in front of them. The dead in Christ, verse 16, for the Lord himself, for, more information, how does the end of verse 15 take place? How does those of us that remain unto the coming of the Lord, how does that take place? The dead in Christ, they're going to come first, verse 16. The end of the verse, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. More information. Paul begins to lay out the details now about the Lord's return for the church, the body of Christ, to gather us to himself, the ga our gathering together. And again, that plays a key component and a key piece here in the issues of the plan of God to come along and to then get us from the earth into the heavenly places, to put the church, the body of Christ, into the heavenly places. Back up to verse 15 now. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So, here we have, here we are. We're walking along the, the life's way, and the, the rapture, the, the day of redemption happens. He says, we're not going to prevent them which are asleep. <laughs> Lost my place. So, if, you, if you're dead over here, you die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're with the Lord in the third heaven. That's where he's at at the moment. Remember, we talked about the container, and the third heaven is outside of the container. You're in his presence. The, the, the Father comes along. We had a conversation this past week about what triggers the rapture. Uh, there's a passage in, in Romans 11 that talks about the goodness and severity and so forth, and, and we'll talk about that at another time. But the Father says, it's time. It's time. Go get them. Go get them. Let's meet the Lord in the air. I put that up there a little too high. It's time. So he comes. Those that are dead have to come back with him and have a, have a resurrection because we're getting our new body. Remember that from our study last time. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. There's a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. There's some noisemakers that are going to have, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It's interesting, two times he said that the dead are going up first because they have to have a bodily resurrection just as the Lord does. You and I, we're walking here on the earth. We'll see over in 1 Corinthians 15 that we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed into this new body. The Lord himself, the shout, the voice, the resurrection is going to be there. 
Notice verse 16, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice verse 16 carefully. For the Lord himself. This is going to be a very special time. Come back with me to to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm trying to go slow and yet maintain some momentum. Hopefully I'm not going too fast. Ephesians 5. Look at Ephesians 5. We're going to start in verse 25. The Lord himself. A very special time, a a time, a wonderful time. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. As Paul begins to lay out the social order of the family in, in today, in the age of grace, in the body of Christ, and then as he begins to lay out the roles of the wife and of the husband, then chapter 6, the children and the, and the parenting, the fathers, and then the work and being out there in the workplace and so forth, as he begins to do that, he he brings in the relationship between Christ and the church. Now, when he says there, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that's a heavy deal there. There's a lot going on in that verse because you and I, husbands, we can never truly love our wives like the father lo- or, or the son loved the church because there are days when she's not lovable. There are days when you just look at it and go, uh-uh. But it's not that we have the same love. It's that we reflect that love. We demonstrate that. We, we put it on. What did he do? He gave himself for it. He was 100% in, wasn't he? So even though there are days when, you know, they're struggling, uh, uh, Colossians, he says, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them, <laughs> you know, there's a bitter, just because there are days when you have a rough day, you're still to maintain that 100% in. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The it there is very interesting. One, it's the church, Christ in the church, but it also has to do with the husband, with the wife. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice what his goal with the church is in verse 27. It is to present it to himself a what kind of church. Notice in verse 27 that he might present it, the church, to himself a what kind of church? Glorious, having, not having spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. When the Lord descends from heaven, he's coming to get a group of people in a glorified, complete body of believers that he's been longing for, waiting for, working toward since before the foundation of the world. That's why the Lord himself comes. The personal attention. It's a very special moment in our Lord's uh, thinking. He comes in and he says, hey, here's a chance for me to see the church. 
without spot, wrinkle, holy, and without blemish, right where they're supposed to be. And it's on this day that that is when that is going to happen. So the Lord himself. Now, get with me, 2 Timothy 4 and Matthew 24 again. Because I want to do something. I'm going to kind of go on a little uh, sideline here for just a minute. Matthew 24, and we're going to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4, we'll start in verse 1, and then we'll go to Matthew. Because the Lord himself shall descend with the shout, with the voice, with the, the and the resurrection happens, the dead in Christ are raised first, and we which are alive and remain are caught up to meet. Here's the meeting, okay? That's the judgment seat of Christ. We'll talk about that. But what begins to happen in your scripture is then people say that the church, Matthew 24, is talking about the rapture. And, and, and where they come from it is off of 2 Timothy chapter 4. When the Lord himself comes back, he is coming back to, to gather together that completed body of Christ, that completed body of believers that he's been looking for, longing for. But he's also coming back to do something else as well. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, one, at his appearing, and two, his kingdom. Now, notice this carefully. And we'll try to put it over here. One is at his appearing. And I think, is it two Ps? No, yep, two Ps. And then the other one is at his kingdom. With the new camera, I, now I know everybody can uh, read that. <laughs> I couldn't get away with scribbles. Notice, when the Lord comes back, his coming back is in two stages. One, to get the body of Christ. Two, it's to restart Israel's program and to catch up and to get and, and, to, and to set up Israel and her kingdom. Okay? So we've got two things going on here. Now come over to Matthew 24. All right? Matthew 24. Matthew 24, we're going to start in verse 27. Matthew 24, 27. As he talks about his second coming. And I want you to notice the differences here carefully. So you got Matthew 24 and then get 1 Thessalonians 4, where we've been sitting, where we've been reading. Okay? Matthew 24 and verse number 31, 27, Matthew 24, 20, uh, 24, 27. For as the lightning come out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So we're going to talk about, we'll write Matthew 24, his second coming. That's what we're talking about. 1 Thessalonians 4 is about, I'm just going to write the word rapture, because that's an easy word to write, our rapture. Notice the differences here. They are greater 
than what religion says in, as far as being similar. Here in verse 28, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Notice a little bit ago we talked about the eagles are gathering, that issue of destruction. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the shun... Immediately after tribulation of those days, after the 70th week of Daniel, okay, after the tribulation, what's going to happen? The sun will be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of, heavy, of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. What's going on there? A lot of stuff is, isn't it? Now, hold on to Matthew 24. Run to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. And just begin to notice some things here. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord's. Now, that's our rapture. Now, watch something here. In Matthew 24, run back over there. Matthew 24, first thing, he's going to send who? He's going to send the angels. First of all, when's this going to happen? After the 70th week. We don't really know when our event is going to happen. That's a question. It comes in the moment. It can come quickly. We're going to look at that here in just a minute. First, he's going to send the angels. Well, first, we don't know when. They have some timing. We don't. Second of all, he sends the angels in our gathering, it's the Lord himself. There's no resurrection mentioned. Here there is a resurrection mentioned. <clears throat> this one is highly visible. And I'm going to run out of space. but This one is seen only by believers. Okay? Getting down below where you can't see. Can you see that? Okay? This one's got a shout, a voice, and a trump of God. Here there is no shout, no voice, and there is a trumpet sound. The trump of God has a last trump. We'll talk about the trumpet. Okay? Here there's only one trumpet, by the way. Here, there, and actually this trumpet issues, there's two of them. We'll see that when we get down in it. That's a lot of differences. Matthew 24. If you look back in Matthew 24 to verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. We're talking, the timing of these events is the 70th week. Verse 21. 
for then shall then shall be great tribulation. So we're talking about the tribulation time. Come over to, hold on to Matthew, come to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 is about the 70th, is, is after the 70th week. By the way, 1 Thessalonians 4 is before the 70th week. Did I lose you? I'm looking at the folks that are here. <laughs> And I dropped my chalk. So, catch up. <sighs> All right. So, Matthew 24, come back, just come back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Matthew 24 is not the rapture. Not the rapture. So, if you hear someone say, hey, Matthew 24, no, it's not. Because we have obviously differences. All right. Verse uh, 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The Lord himself, he's coming back himself. And that's the critical point to this. Come, come over to 2 Timothy 4, where we were just a minute ago. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Timothy 4, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4. There's something about the Lord himself. 2 Timothy 4, notice if you will, verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. That's the judgment seat of Christ. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love, notice, his appearing. You see, the Lord himself, it's his appearing. Okay? It's his appearing. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. A couple, just a book over. Titus 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking for His appearing. It's a glorious appearing, by the way. Come back with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I, I, I love that. It's a glorious appearing. What kind of appearing is it? It's a glorious appearing. That's what, we're, that's what we're looking for. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Notice the focus of everything isn't about seeing some signs in the heavens and then so forth and the angels coming and all of that, but rather we're looking for his appearing. We're looking for him specifically. We're looking for him in a very unique manner. Come back with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Because there's this appearing here that we're talking about right here. 
But there's an appearing back over here that we need to understand as well. Because when we see this issue here about the Lord himself, we then quickly can understand what's going on here when we ask that question of when. When is this bad boy going to happen? When's the Lord going to come back? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 9 is where we're going to start. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Notice when Paul describes his ministry, he says it was made manifest by the appearing, verse 10, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. At the appearing... Back over in chapter 4, we just read the verse, for uh, verse 8, but unto all them that also love his appearing. The first time that, Paul, that the Lord appears to Paul, back over there in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus, he, that appearing at the beginning of the, of, of the message with Paul, that's what he's talking about in verse 10. What, I'm, 2 Timothy 1.10, that's where we're at. And this appearing to Paul changed everything. And it's that appearing that we got to pay attention to. Because that appearing back here is going to be identical to this appearing over here in, in most of the points. How he appeared here is how he's going to appear here in a, in a very broad manner. The dispensation of grace comes and the body of Christ begins with an appearing to Paul. The end of the dispensation of grace is with an appearing to the body of Christ as a whole. And again, come back with me to Acts 9. You have to remember that Paul is our pattern. So the way that the Lord appeared unto Paul is going to be how he's going to appear unto us, the church, the body, that glorious church. His appearance to Paul. you got Acts 9, right? Acts 9, verse 1. Just notice some things here. How did he appear to Paul? Acts 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he had found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Is there any anticipation by Paul there, or Saul of Tarsus here, of being interrupted in his, in his religious duties? Is he worried in any manner about him being stopped on the road here? Not at all. He's got the authority. He's got the letters. He's got men with him. And off they go. And suddenly, there's sound, verse 3, round about him, a light from heaven. Suddenly. 
How's, this, how, how's our end going to happen? Suddenly. There is no warning to Paul himself as he's going. Suddenly, there's an appearance. There's going to be suddenly a shout and a voice and a trumpet. Suddenly, there's going to be our going home. By the way, verse 4, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Personal attention from the Lord. The Lord himself shows up and talks to Paul. What's going to happen over here? The Lord himself comes and takes us home. Notice verse 5. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Unanswered, unexpected, no warning happens suddenly. Verse 6, he says, And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men, now watch, which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. It was a secret appearing only to who? Paul. It's a secret appearing only to who? Us. The believers are the only ones involved. Now, come on over. Hold on to Acts 9. Come back over to 22, Acts 22, and get Acts 26. Acts 22 and Acts 26. In Acts 9 there, the men that are with him, they hear a voice but see no man. Acts 22 and verse number 9. Watch this account as Paul re-gives it as he stands in the council. Acts 22 and verse 9. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Acts 9, what did they do? They heard... A voice, but they seeing no man, Paul says, they were they heard not the voice. They they heard the voice, but they didn't hear what the voice said. They heard something. Chapter twenty six. Chapter twenty six fourteen, and when we were all fallen on the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And off you go. Come back to 22. Come back to 9. They hear a voice. They see no one. 22, 9. They didn't hear. They heard the noise. They didn't hear what the voice said. Paul says, I heard the voice. What's going to happen to you and I? Same thing. We'll look next week at the shout and the trump and the voice of the archangel. Those are noisemakers. Those are noisy. It's going to be noisy. The unsaved people are going to know something's going on. They're just not going to hear what's, what's happening. Look, in, look in here at 9-7 and chapter 9, verse 7. 
by the way, he says, and, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. They hear, but they don't see. They saw the light. They heard a voice. They just don't understand. They don't know it's Jesus Christ. They don't know any of it. In 22.9, they indeed that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they didn't hear it. They didn't hear what was said. Only Paul heard what was said. You see, what's going on here, Paul says, listen, guys, you love that appearing over there. We're all looking for our appearing. We're looking for him coming back personally. It's going to be just as it was in the beginning. It's going to be that way back over here. By the way, here in Acts, what's going on? <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma. This is, by the way, this is a, those three passages, 9, 22, and 26, is what everybody uses to say, see, you've got problems in your King James Bible. Come over to Acts 28. and just give you a, take five minutes and give you a help here. You've got to remember what's going on here. Acts 28, verse 25, And when they, and that's Israel, agreed not amongst themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and, and uh, shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. See, they weren't getting what was going on. By the way, the one word was that issue of going to the Gentiles. They have gone away. Israel has left. By the way, this Isaiah 6 is what he's quoting here. Hearing verse 27, the people is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have they closed. So he says, verse 28, be it known therefore unto you that salvation of that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. What is happening here is that Paul, the, the diminishing away, the casting away of Israel is coming to a thing. Come over with me to John. John, come back over with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. It's a fascinating thing, these guys on the road to Damascus. On the road, John 12. Here, here's the other passage everybody pulls up. John 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake. You see, they heard something. They heard the noise. Jesus is the one that heard the Father's word. On the road to Damascus, Paul is the same way. Come back with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. On the road to Damascus, they see the light. They hear a noise. The people do. They. By the way, the they are Jews. They are unbelieving Jews. They're going to see the light. They see a light. They hear noise. They hear a voice. But it is only Paul that gets the message. Over here, for you and I today, when we, we love his appearing. Folks, if you're going to love his appearing, you better be loving that first appearing. 
There are churches all across America that talk about the rapture event and they dismiss that first that appearing. 1 Thessalonians 4. Our gathering together, the rapture, the Lord Himself is going to be the same way. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. And we'll pick up here next time. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. These are noisy. They're very unique sounds. People will hear them, and this will be unbelievers, by the way. They just won't understand the message that it has for the church, the body of Christ. They're audible, they're visible, they're knowable. There's nothing hidden here at all. There are three unique sounds involved in our gathering together. And these three unique sounds is what's going to identify the rapture for us, the catching away, the going home, and it's what, is set, it's, it's what, it make, it's what makes this event distinctive from the second coming and the coming back. The shout. With the shout, the Lord says that the dispensation of grace is over. It's a victory shout. We'll see, some, we'll see this next time. The voice of the archangel. Who's the archangel in Scripture? Michael is. Daniel 12, Michael stands. He's the prince of Israel. Michael, the voice of the archangel, is going to signal the resumption, the, 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 the resuming of Israel's prophetic program. It's going to pick up right where Acts 7 left it. The trump of God. That's the mechanisms of our exodus from the earth. The resurrection. The dead in first, the, the, the dead in Christ first will go up. Then we which are alive are caught up. There's two, there's, there, there's, there, that, that trumpet thing is, boy, everybody's got a weird ideas about that. You, trump, blow it once and then blow it again. The last trump, 1 Corinthians 15 says, that's what gets everybody. Because they go over here and try to make this trumpet over, over here be that trumpet by the way, the seven trumpets in the book of the Revelation, the last trumpet blows, begins blowing in the middle of the, in the 70th week, and it blows all out past the millennial kingdom on into the, the establishment of the kingdom, the new, king, the new heaven, the new earth, and everything. So we'll look at that, okay? We'll have some fun with that. The point this morning in the details, we're getting into the details. The way Paul's ministry started is the way that the church, the body of the dispensation of grace, the church, the body of Christ, never ends. 
The dispensation of grace is going to end. How it started is going to be how it ends. Paul's going down the road to Damascus. He has no clue he's about to be messed with. He's going about his religious duties. Stopped him. Guess what's going to happen to you and I if the Lord tarries? We're going to be going about our duties, and then we're going to get the call. The only person that knows what was going on behind the activity was the believer. Only person that's going to know what's going on behind this activity is the believer. By the way, the thing that protects off this is that issue of the clouds where we're going to meet the Lord. We'll look at those two. The details. We're not in Matthew 24. They don't match. Just comparing verse with verse. Here are the details. Okay? What all that has to do with the glory plan is the Father has a plan for us in the heavenly places, but how does he get us from here to there? And that's what we're talking about, the process, the details. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the study. We thank you for the ability, because we have your word, to be able to comprehend what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and to know the love of Christ. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray for folks as they sit and listen, look into these things, spend a week studying them, looking at them, and just have their hearts comforted. As the verse says, wherefore comfort one another with these words because of these events that we're able to know and see and understand so that when the day does come, if we're here, that we would know what's going on and not be ignorant of the details. And we do everything for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.